like Amelia. I love seeing them in that rotation of being able to pray and, and even our ladies who do the attendance and are greeting and, and doing all this. But we need more of you because I'd love to see more of your faces. So I'm actually just going to challenge you right off the bat. Um, we have the applications here to be part of our student leadership team. Um, I challenge you to ask your leader for it um, and get plugged in and be a part of it. Uh, but with that being said, Nick, can you play for me real fast just some of that song we were just singing? Yeah. All right, just play it, play it on the guitar. Okay. We're showcasing. This is his. He has an album coming out soon. No, I'm just kidding. Just play the play the song real quick for me. All right, all right. There you go. You're good. You're good. All right. Give him a round of applause. Stay right there. I need Asher. Can you come up here real quick? I need you to give me the name of someone from your group that you want me to call up on stage. Make sure you pick wisely because this could really make my illustration bad if you don't. No, not Christian. That would ruin the illustration. Wolf. Give me Wolf. Wolf, come on up. Yeah. Give it up for Wolf. You know what I'm about to do? Are you going to make him sing? No. He might be really good at that. He might be really good at what I'm going to make him do, and that's going to ruin everything. All right, can you give him your guitar? Sure. All right. Wolf, can you go ahead and play that opening chord that he just played? Go ahead. <clears throat> All right, thank you. You're good. Here's the deal. Here's why I did this, and I'm really glad this actually worked out. Well, thank you for being so humble and kind. Nick, thank you for your gifts and your abilities. Um, but if, if we notice this tonight, um, Nick played the song, and it went great. Wolf wasn't prepared for anything we just did, and what happened? I mean, it sounded better than I thought it would, but it didn't sound like the song, right? Did it sound like the same song? Did he look confident in what he was doing? Mm. Mm. Some of you guys need to not be falling asleep five minutes into the message then. But if you have your Bibles, I need you to open your Bibles to, the, to 2 Timothy. We're going to be in the book... 2 Timothy, so this is a second letter that Paul wrote to uh, a guy who was discipling, who was a pastor in the area, named Timothy. And so, um, if we're being honest with ourselves, and we're in this spiritual discipline series, and we're walking through what it means to be a believer, what it means to be saved, there's a lot of us in this room that, and, and I'm going to pick on Wolf again, and probably myself, but if you were to give me the guitar also, I have no idea what's happening. I don't know the frets, I don't know the chords, I don't know the strumming, I don't know any of it. As we saw, Wolf couldn't play the same song that Nick did. What's the major difference between Nick and Wolf when it came to playing that song? Huh? Experience. What's, what else? Experience. Talent. But what, what's wrapped up in experience? What's wrapped up is in, huh? 
knowledge. So experience, knowledge, and understanding. He has spent time, right? Experience that, that spent time with it. If there's a lot of us in this room tonight, and it might be evident, and so I'm not going to name names, but there's probably still some of you looking for the book of 2 Timothy. There's some of you who are like, I don't even care to look because I don't know where it is. 578? That's not in every Bible, so don't go based off of that. If it's in the Bibles we have here, yes. Mine doesn't have page, oh, it does have page numbers. Mine's in like 1,162, so... But here's the deal. If we are believers, where do we find the gospel? We find, yeah, but we find it in this book, right? The gospel of John says that the word became flesh, right? Jesus is the word made flesh, meaning that this Bible has a lot of authority. And we as believers only knew who Jesus was and what he came to do because it's told to us in the pages of this book. And so at a certain point as believers, we need to be maturing and understanding how to read this book. But I think for a lot of us in this room, we might look at this book and we go, it's outdated, it's old, it's dumb. Like, I like Jesus, but I don't like the fact that he says I have to live different, so I'm only going to read the pages where it says Jesus saves me from hell, not that I have to live different if I have Jesus, right? Right? We start to cherry pick and we start to, to rip pages out and toss things out and mark things off because we don't, we don't care about it because it's a book. We can manipulate it, right? And that's what we start to do with the word of God. But this is what I love about Paul when he's talking to Timothy. So Timothy, he wrote these two letters to Timothy because he's a young pastor and inevitably what's happening with young pastors, even what's happening in today's age in our church is false teachers were coming in. People who were spinning the name of Jesus and spinning the word of God and creating these false beliefs. And Matthew 7 actually tells us that these people, what they're doing is actually leading people closer to hell than actually saving them. And that's why it actually says in scripture that teachers of the Bible have a double judgment at the end of this life. Because now I'm no longer for how I steward my own relationship with Jesus. I've been called to an office where I'm now going to be held accountable for every single one of you. First my family, then you. And so anyone who dares to teach the word of God, whether it's a Bible study at home with your friends, Sunday morning youth group or our student leaders who are going to be coming up here and teaching the word to you once in a while that we're doing a class with. Why are we doing a class? Why don't I just let, when it, say you feel called to just share something out of the blue and you've never even done it once in your life. You think I'm going to trust you to do it up here? <laughs> no. I have absolutely zero confidence what's going to come out of your mouth. But that's why we have the class. That's why we have this training cohort so that you guys can be trained up in how to present the word of God, teach the word of God, and handle it with the proper care and authority and reverence that it deserves to have. And so if you have your Bibles open to 2 Timothy chapter 3, starts off in verse 10. Paul's writing to Timothy and it says this. It says, you have, uh, you, however, talking to Timothy, no longer the false teachers, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that happened to me in Antioch, in the Iconium, and to Lystria, which persecutions I endured, yet them all, uh, for the Lord has rescued me from the, all of them. See, to understand the importance of the Bible, 
Timothy had to follow somebody who held the Bible to a higher reverence. And I think a lot of us in the room tonight, you're going to say, listen, we're saved. We get it. But like that book sucks. There's big words. There's weird words. Uh, let's do a survey real quick. What version of the Bible? Most of you probably have ESV since the table is completely empty. Uh, who has a different version than ESV with them? Yes. Life applications. Life applications. Yes, sir. NIV. NIV. What else we got in this room? Yes, ma'am. NASB. CSB. Boy, after my own heart. What? KJV. KJV. We'll break the habit. Seth. Huh? NIV, right? But here's the thing. My first Bible when I was saved at 16 was a King James. And so culturally, all I knew was all the, like, thisists and thous and the Lordeth Almighty will reign furiously down the walleth. And you're just like, well, I don't even, the author had a lisp. I don't know, right? Like, we have no clue. And so when we start to read that and we mature in it, sometimes people just walk away from reading the Bible because it's in weird old English that none of us speak this day and age. And all of a sudden, we start realizing, man, like translations, versions of the Bible, the language that is being used is so important because we have to understand some truths about this Bible. But here's the beauty of Paul and Timothy's relationship. Paul wasn't afraid to bring Timothy into his inner circle and to his inner times with the Lord and show, man, this is how you study the Bible. This is how you truly understand it. This is why we have youth leaders here every Wednesday, every Sunday. This is why a lot of you have good, awesome, godly parents at home, Bible teachers here in the school, Bible teachers at other schools that you go to. You have mentors. You have first priority. You have all these people, and they all are centered around the Bible because they want you to understand that if you don't get the Bible, you're never going to actually get your faith. If you don't get the Bible, you're never going to understand how to deal with the highs and lows in life. If you don't get the Bible, you're going to graduate high school, you're going to go into a secular college, you're going to get faced with a teacher who says, ha, I'll stump you Christians, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? And you're going to go, oh, never even studied that. Right? Where'd Cain's wife come from? That's another weird study. But all of a sudden, we're going to get asked these questions, you're going to go, man, the Bible doesn't really answer much. but you're being led astray because you've never taken the time to study Scripture. And so first and foremost, for you here tonight, whether you have a relationship with Jesus or not, the best thing that you could do is plug into someone who has a genuine faith and you see it. Plug into the youth leader that's been put over you here in this youth group because they know the Bible. They get the heart of discipleship, and they're wanting to teach you how to study your Bibles. Because if... The message of the gospel, which is the only thing that can save us, is only found in the scriptures and nowhere else and is a very specific truth, then you should probably know what the Bible says, right? Like if I want to know who Jesus is, I got to read about where I would find it, right? How did Jesus pay for our sins? down on the cross for us. Did Isaac just come up with that out of the blue? No, he, he read it in his Bible. He was taught how to find it in the text. And so the first step for us holding, we've talked about going to church here with you guys. We've talked about the importance of community, of fellowship, what we're doing here in youth, what we do on Sunday mornings in big church. We've talked about that. We've talked about prayer 
and how conviction and prayer are massive in the life of a Christian. Last week, we talked about there's only one way to be saved, and that's by confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead three days later, and you shall be saved. The gospel is a very specific message. But where do we learn more about God? Where do we learn more about the gospel? Where do we learn how to live after how God is calling us to live? It's through this book. It's not through weird third-party web searches that you find. It's not through weird guys on YouTube with red yarn strung all across the room with weird maps of Israel. It's through actually sitting under a sound teacher and being with someone who's walked this life longer than you and learning how to decipher the Bible, being discipled and walked through. Timothy did it. It was his first step. He said, man, Timothy, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, and my persecutions and suffering. He said, I'm so confident on what the Bible teaches. I'm so confident that it is truth. I study it because no matter what, I can base everything off how God wants me to live. And I find that by in the Bible. And so a first step is finding these people that you can plug into. It goes on to say, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continuing in what you have learned and having firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. Did you know that if you start to actually live and study this Bible for what it has to say, that you will be persecuted? It's by the grace of God that you're here in America where persecution for us is someone's probably going to laugh at you for bringing a Bible to school. If we're just being honest with ourselves, I'm not trying to downplay the fact that you're going to get bullied. To us, that's a massive issue. There's people who convert from Islam who get their heads cut off the moment they even look at a Bible. So I just want you to be aware that if you're actually going to read this Bible, if you're actually going to believe what it has to say about the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you're actually going to allow it to speak to you and change your heart, change your mind, make you live different, that hardship will follow. The Bible doesn't make your life easier. It makes your life worth it. Because you finally understand who you're living for. You finally understand what he's called you to. So the first step is finding someone who can walk with you as you study the Bible, and the second step is knowing that it is going to be rough. And that's a really good thing. Because so many of you are trying to find your identity and your purpose in so many different things, relationships, academics, sports, all of these things, which aren't bad, but they are maybe secondary in your life. My identity is not wrapped up in my marriage with my wife. My identity is not wrapped up in the fact that I'm about to have a son. My identity isn't wrapped in any of those things. Are those amazing things? Absolutely. I am terrified and stoked out of my mind that I'm about to have a boy. But that's not my identity. My identity is first and foremost, I am a Christian who believes that this Bible is God's word and it's authoritative and it is true. My identity is that I follow Christ Jesus who is displayed to me from the pages of this book. Because it's from this book that I'm going to learn how to father my son. 
It's from this book that I'm going to learn how to love my wife unendlessly every single day. It's from this book that I'm going to learn how to shepherd all of you the best that I can each and every day. That when you come to me because you've made the worst mistake to date in your life and you're broken and you feel like giving up, I can encourage you and tell you that there is more to your story. That Jesus says you are an overcomer because he has overcome sin and death. That just because you may have failed astronomically at something, that you're not a failure. That if you have a relationship with Christ Jesus, it tells you you're going to face persecution, but your label will be son and daughter of the Most High. Not by your failures, not by your sins, not by your mistakes. See, I think the second step is understanding that the word of God will make you stand out. And it's going to be for all the right reasons. Because the nerds, right, they make fun of the, the athletes and call them jocks. And the jocks just use what I say and they call them all nerds. Right? And we, we identify people. We can't help but identify people by things that they do and say. But the moment you start walking around with this Bible, the moment you start reading this Bible, the moment it starts changing your speech and your thoughts and your actions towards others, that's when real persecution is going to come. That is when real identity is going to follow. I don't, when I die and my tombstone only gets to say one thing, I don't care if it says good father, good husband, good brother, good friend, good pastor. I want it to say he who loved Jesus. And I'm only going to be able to grow in that and understand that if I know what this book is teaching and I'm willing to suffer for it. And it goes on to say in, in verse 15, Paul's still talking to Timothy, and it says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, and the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Guys, this isn't just a history book. This isn't just some old book that people fought over once in a while. This isn't just a moral guide. John chapter 1 says this book is alive and active. Hebrews chapter 10 echoes the same thing. This book is alive and active. It can split bone and marrow, spirit and mind. Discern your thoughts. Bless you. This book isn't just a textbook you get at school. Luckily for a lot of you, it is a textbook you get to carry around, and that's a privilege. How many of you brought your own Bible here tonight? Raise it up. I want to see it. Cell phones don't count. My goal is that by the end of the school year, all of us in this room would be able to hold up our own Bibles. That, that table would stay because you have your own Bibles with you. Because you see that there's importance in actually owning one of these and reading one of these and learning from one of these because you know that it is God's word to you. It is God's truth to you. See, the third step is understanding that the Bible has been around this long and people all the time, and it's always the whack jobs on like YouTube and TikTok who are like, we've disproven the Bible. No, you haven't. 
if you have been able to disprove the Bible, you're getting the Nobel Peace Prize, everyone's leaving Christianity, and the church is going to shut all their doors. Mm, that's not happening. Why? Because over and over and over again, the Bible, the 66 books of this Bible, the authentic Protestant Bible is true. It proves itself within its own scripture. It identifies itself through itself. It perfects itself. And we keep finding earlier and earlier manuscripts, copies of the text from ancient days that over and over and over again are proving that everything we have right here is truth. And some of you who might be a little bit more studied than others, you're like, what about all those councils in like the 1500s? What about the Catholic Church and their Bible? What about all these weird books that people say have been lost for so long and they've now found? Never once has there been someone defending the addition of new books into the Bible. The church has always had to defend those books from being added to the Bible. So the claim that we've removed books from the Bible or the claim that there's hidden scriptures in caves somewhere that we've, we've hidden ourselves because they say something we don't like, nope, we've never removed a single book from the Bible. False religions, false teachers, false prophets have been trying to add their word to it for too long. And I pray that in your life groups, or your study, small groups, there we go, small groups tonight, as we dive into some of these questions and as we walk through what the Bible truly means to us, I pray you don't take this lightly. I want to ask you guys a question. Do we worship this? I like answer two. No, we don't, right? But why do I, why do I hold it to such high importance? Huh? God's word. This book is the only means in which I know how to communicate back to the God who created me. This book is the only means I know what he wants me to know. This book has the message of life, the gospel. This book has the message of how to live my life now because of the gospel. I don't worship this book, but this book teaches me how to worship. I hold this book to high honor, but it helps me honor truly the one who deserves all honor. I like to know where we came from as a, hum as a, as a humankind. This Bible teaches me that. There's history books in here. There's poetry in here. There's prophecy in here. There's prescriptions of how to live in here. There's wisdom books in here. There's all these books in here of how God wants us to know him and to know our story with him. I want to close out with just this. You don't, don't have to turn over there, but it's in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says this. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, so often we have no clue that we need to bring this on a Wednesday night because we don't know where it is Monday, 
through Tuesday and Thursday through Sunday. We have no clue where we put it during those times. And then Sunday mornings, we're rummaging around. Oh, I'll just use my phone. Wednesday nights, we're like, no, nah, I don't need it. Mitch has a table full of them. We treat this like it's the cleats we wear for football. We treat this like that really nice sweater that's going to keep us warm, right? We treat this like that really good snack. Like it's not necessary, but we know the snack's going to hit the spot, right? We treat it like a good luck charm. We treat it like we could probably walk on this thing all day long and not even know that we're stepping on it. And I think a lot of that stems from how we treat church, how we treat our relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the most important thing to you and I. His word is the most important thing to you and I because then we can read Philippians 4, 7 where it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because then when we feel anxious, we're out of control. We don't know where to turn, so we turn to this. But all of a sudden, when life is going good, it's all about you. It's all about how you accomplished it. It's all about how you're doing really great things. And then all of a sudden, life starts to fall apart again, and we turn back to this, like some self-help book. You could save yourself so much heartache, confusion, loneliness, lostness, depression, anxiety, if you simply started to treat this like it was the only thing that could point you to the one who could actually fix your problems. If you treated this like the, the most important text that you need, the sacred writings. He says, let the word of Christ dwell within you richly. When you're on the mountaintops, let it teach you how to praise. When you're in the valleys, let it teach you how to weep. And when you're in the just routine of life, doing day in and day out, school, hanging out with friends, being with family, in all those moments, this should be your guide. And sadly, most of you use social media for it. How do I solve my anxiety? Let me just doom scroll on, so on TikTok for five hours and laugh at dumb videos. Let me go form this relationship with this guy I know I shouldn't be with. Let me go try to fix the problem myself instead of turning to the one who's already told me where I can find the answer. I said this the other week, but if y'all spent half the time, I'm saying even half, one-third, if you guys spent one-third of the time you did being concerned about what this book says to you, as you did on literally anything else you do during the week, like homecoming, like spirit week, like the next football game or cheerleading thing, if you literally spent one-third of the time that you all fret over all the other stuff of this world in this book, oh my gosh, I wouldn't have to put scripture up on the screen anymore. And yet for some reason, all those things take precedence over this book in your daily life. And I'm right there with you. And it's my calling to teach this to you on a weekly basis. And there's a lot of times when I'm putting stuff over this book. But you're never going to know how much you are loved 
and valued, how purposeful you are, until you actually open this book and read what God wants you to hear. So I'm going to challenge you guys as we close out this time. For the love of everything that is so good on this earth, I want you to do four things. I'm going to walk you through the first three steps that we talked about, right? Timothy had Paul. I want every single one of you. You need someone who's walked this life longer than you to be pouring into you. So when you have a question on a Tuesday afternoon about what a verse means, you know you have the confidence to turn to someone who actually understands the Bible and not Google. Find someone that can walk through this life with you that knows the Bible well. Number two, press in to the persecution that will follow. You will find peace, purpose, and productivity in your life when you care more about the Bible than the other labels that you have. And number three, just trust him. Don't use it as an addition to your Batman utility belt. Don't just bring it with you to church on Wednesdays and Sundays. Read it before bed. Read it in the morning when you wake up. Search it for when you're broken and how you can weep. Search it for when you're praising and how you can give the glory back to God. Search the depths of these pages. And the fourth one, get over yourself. Like, you all are the church. You all are cognitive. You're adults. You are making amazing decisions and really bad decisions. Probably more bad than amazing right now, and that's okay, because you're here tonight and you're learning how to make better decisions. But you need to get over yourself and all the reasons why you might think being a Christian is stupid, of why you think reading your Bible is lame, why you think singing worship here on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday morning is too girly or dumb. Get over yourself. If Jesus Christ, if you trust him enough to save you, then man, trust his word enough to walk you through your daily life. Study your Bibles. Amen? Let's bow our heads and our hearts in prayer. And then we're going to go off into small groups. Father, thank you for tonight. God, I pray for these students that they will press into this church, into their youth leaders, into myself, and all these people that are around them so that they can better understand your word, that they will find a joy reading your word, that they will see that if they sit in your word, God, and stop spending time on all these other things in life, God, that you're going to walk them naturally down the path you need for them, that you're going to be able to comfort them. Your word tells us, God, that you are in our midst you're mighty to save. You rejoice over us with gladness. You quiet us with your love and you rejoice over us with singing. God, there are people in this room who are broken, that they are being labeled by failures and mistakes. And God, let tonight be the night that they can rip that label off and know that yes, they might fail. But they have a relationship with the only one who can restore with the only one who labels them as son and daughter for eternity, with the only one who loves them perfectly. God, let them press into that truth tonight. And they can only learn to grow in that if they learn to study their Bibles. God, let us become a youth group that is so on fire for your word and what it has to say. God, we love you. We thank you so much. 
We pray this all in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. All right, you guys are dismissed to small groups. Leaders, do not forget to grab your folders for your small groups. Please and thank you, grab those.